Good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. My name is Ross. I'm one of the pastors here. So happy you're joining us online and, of course, in person here. Um, I'm super excited to be continuing through our series on Fruit of the Spirit. And as you know, we've been theming the different fruit listed characteristics um, by an actual fruit that we get to walk away with. And so we'll talk a bit more about that at the end. Um, and, and this morning, I just, as we jump into this next one, uh, I wanted to remind us of just why we're here. You know, why, why do we find ourselves at a place going through uh, the fruit of the Spirit, characteristic by characteristic, through Galatians 5? And if you haven't read Galatians 5, before, it goes something like, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And last week, we focused on patience. And this weekend, we get a focus on kindness. And um, that's the next characteristic. But the reason we're here that I always want to start with a reminder, because that can fix and, and kind of maintain our focus on the, on the deep why, is that God's really concerned about your salvation, but also your transformation through Christ today. And so he's concerned about the eternity to be with you found in true salvation. We have eternity to rest with him. That's so great but also the continual daily transformation that can be found and walked in today in Christ. And that's by his Holy Spirit. That's what we call these fruit of the Spirit, these characteristics we can walk in and, and it, they be on display through our life. And as, as Pastor Matt mentioned just before, uh, today we're gonna talk about clothing ourselves in kindness found in Colossians. And so if you wanna turn with me there, we're gonna be in Colossians 3. 12 through 14, and I'm going to read the passage uh, and then pray, and then we're going to dive into kindness together. But in Colossians 3.12, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word that we're able to open your word today, alive and active to learn, to be commanded, to step into the truth and what it looks like to live in you. And so, God, I pray as we dive into Paul's words here, um, directed to a very specific church in this context, how we can learn from it today because it's alive and active and being spoken to us. And God, I just pray that you would encourage our hearts to take steps with you in kindness. And regardless, God, that your voice be louder than even our own, even the friends around us, that it would be truly your voice that guides us in times like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Apologizing involuntarily when scooting past someone, both to warn of your presence and to express regret for any convenience your life might have had on them. It is greeting people when they step into that elevator and wishing them well as they leave. It is a strong preference for avoiding confrontation. This is the definition of Midwestern nice. <laughs> See, Midwestern nice is this term that we've kind of formulated in the Midwest region of the United States that we naturally have this idea of niceness, of saying, oops, oh, what are the, some of the phrases? Oh, oh, oops, oh, excuse me. Sorry that I existed in this moment to potentially be in your way, right? 
And naturally, we are Midwestern nice. But I think a step deeper that I've realized in the last few years of being here in Iowa is that there's also an Iowa nice. Am I right? There's something different about Iowans to where our niceness exceeds just the simple, oh, or excuse me, or sorry I exist in this moment with you, right? But it goes a little deeper to an action. And today we're going to begin to unravel what is kindness, uh, what does it mean in defining kindness together, what God's really intending uh, us to be and how to be kind to one another, uh, but also the difference between kindness and niceness. I just claimed that word. Niceness is now a new word, okay? Niceness. To be kind and be nice is actually very different. And this morning, although you may have heard characteristics of your Iowan niceness or Midwestern niceness, my prayer today is that as we walk through the word, that we recognize the godly kindness in which this characteristic of the spirit can be within me and you. And not only within us, but also displayed to those around us. Because that's what the Lord is really getting at through these fruit of the spirit. So as we dive in, we're going to recognize and define kindness for what it is. We're going to recognize what it is and isn't. And then we're also going to realize where we, re- where we actually really experience kindness to begin with. And we'll point to that near the end here. But let's go ahead and define kindness together. So what is kindness? If you have a note sheet you picked up, you can write on that. If you have notes on your phone, go ahead and pull those out. Students and kids in the room, I know you're in here because we don't have classes over the summer. So you're with us. Man, you're the best note takers. And so students or kids in the room, show the people next to you how to do it. Okay, so kindness is a supernatural generosity towards those around you even when they don't deserve it or even when they don't give it back. The ability to serve others in a practical, genuine way, rooted in practical, true love. This is what kindness is, my friends. And sometimes we confuse that kindness with niceness. And the difference is, is that where nice costs us nothing, besides an ope or an excuse me for my existence, kindness comes in and costs us something. See, kindness costs us our talent, time, or treasure in some way, shape, or form. And that's why I'm getting to the point of us Iowans, right? It's not necessarily Iowan nice because oftentimes Iowans can be kind more than nice. Because if you notice, if you're driving down the road and there's someone stuck on the side, Iowans tend to stop and make sure everyone's okay and figure it out, right? Iowans will take the next step, the applicable action that kindness requires, because kindness costs where niceness doesn't. And here's where we're getting into the truth of the word where the Lord calls us to be kind. And of course, that's seen in some nice ways, but there's a cost to our kindness that the Lord directs us into. And as we look through Colossians 3, we're only focusing in a few verses, but they're so profoundly deep in the way they lead us through kindness between, even with ourselves, but between others and so on. So here, let's put some meat to these bones real quick, because here's kind of the idea. When we act in kindness, okay, when we act in kindness, we generously serve and obey God. When we act in kindness, we generously serve and care for each other, right? We, we, we do something with our kindness. Yet the opposite of kindness, when we lack it, we actually resent God and envy maybe what God's doing in someone else's life or whatever. And that goes furthermore, when we lack kindness with each other, we're then envious and resentful 
We actually, when we lack kindness, we lack to rejoice in someone else's joy. The deeper root flesh and the depth of our being, where kindness can get twisted and confused, is also with our pursuit and how we display it and why. You see, we described kindness as a supernatural generosity towards others, rooted in love, but yet our, our sinful desire actually wants to carry and mimic kindness in the sinful way saying, I am kind to people when I can get something back from them selfishly. We see that in our workplace maybe. I'm kind to my boss and my boss's boss because I want to make sure I can cash in on the future of just higher uh, employment to, to gain that position. Uh, maybe I, I'm doing some confessing here, okay? If you're married in the room, sometimes in our marriages, in our relationships, we can act kind towards our spouses with an end game in mind selfishly, right? Honey, I, I clean the house. I put away all the dishes. I folded the laundry exactly how you told me you want it. So can I like go out and hang out with the guys tonight? We're gonna watch that game and stuff, right? You did all those things to add up what would be a selfish desire and hopefully permission or, or acceptance for you to do some things. They didn't, they didn't serve out of genuine love and desire to care and, and put your home together as your wife would like or your husband. And now I'm seeing many of you just do those eyes to your spouses. You know, we can set up, there's sessions right outside. You can sign up, you know, marriage counseling. We'll figure it out. You know, it'll be okay. No, just kidding. At home, it's worse. I'm sorry, you're at home, so you can speak out loud. You know, they're, they're maybe getting into it. No, I love you guys. But the, but the reality is, like, true. Like, I even can fall into that, right? That's not the true kindness we're talking about here. That's, that's, that's the flesh alternative route when we do kind things to get something in return. But in Colossians 3, Paul it practically lays out this transformation we are to find as believers and mentions kindness and compassion, humility, patience, all these virtues, as he calls them, that we are to be clothed with. And point number one for you today is clothe yourself with kindness. See, in Colossians 3.12, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul, strictly here, encouraging us as followers of Jesus to clothe ourselves with many things what kindness included. But let us not miss what Paul's saying here to, to set this up. We're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. See, when we enter this relationship with Jesus, we then now have, we've been clothed with his righteousness before God. So, so we have been made, seen as holy, righteous before God because of Christ and his blood on us for our life. But then also he goes as far to say, you are dearly loved loved by God. Maybe some of you in the room need to ignore everything else this morning and hear God tell you that he loves you. And that, my friend, believe it or not, wherever you're at in this pursuit with God, he loves you deeply, dearly. God loves you. He created the universe, the stars to be everything you see, yet he chooses to love you. God says, I love you. You are those I dearly love. And, and the beauty of God's love then transforms us in our relationship 
through Christ, changes us forevermore because of his great sacrifice and compassion and goodness. And so we're seeing, we're picking up this idea that God loves us so much so to then encourage us and give us these characteristics to be clothed with. And I love Paul's illustration here, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. And we think of it in, in, in this idea of kindness is that where kindness exists, compassion has been rooted by love in your heart for someone. Because then you act upon that, compassion to show kindness, to, to, to be an action of serving and loving, to then you, you find yourself in a humble place, patiently gentle with someone in your pursuit of sharing kindness with them, right? But this clothing idea of yourself with kindness reminds me of, of, of Chick-fil-A. And I don't know if you like Chick-fil-A. You can't go get it for lunch today. They're closed, okay? So no Chick-fil-A after this. Sorry, I'm just going to share this with you, and you're going to be hungry for it for a day, okay? But Chick-fil-A is so unique, and, and, and to pick on them in a good way, we were through the drive-thru, my wife and I, and this young lady was wearing a blue polo. And, and I noticed throughout the whole restaurant, they're wearing different color shirts, and so I'm like, hey, what is that? Like, why, what's the signif you know, significance of your color of the shirt? So she explains, you know, she's a trainer, so she wears blue. The shift manager wears like black or something. Someone else, maybe just a general cashier wears red or something. And then maybe like another color, you know, all these different colors, right? What I recognize though, in this pattern of, of them wearing different polos, is that what they're really trying to end goal is to be identified well. That someone can look at them and immediately know their role in the workplace, right? You think of some students in the room, you, you work at Chick-fil-A now. I'm hearing all sorts of awesome things, right? You work for Chick-fil-A or maybe a company that does this too. And, and in your, maybe you're flustered or something's going on and you need to look for your, your boss. And they're wearing black. And so you can immediately look around and see, oh, I can immediately identify they're wearing a black polo. That's my boss. Don't need to shout for their name or look for their face because that can be a little difficult when you're flinging fries and flipping, not burgers. Do you flip chicken in the thing? I should ask one of my teenagers. Okay, so like when you're doing the chicken thing, okay? And all of that, like it's this idea that you can be immediately identified. And that's where Paul's getting to in this illustration of clothing. And, and we know that in our culture. I, I had to ask in the first service if companies still put that sign, like no shoes, no shirt, no service. And I'm pretty sure they do. I think it's like a, a type of law or something. But regardless of the fact, like we know culturally that being dressed and dressed appropriately for some things is, is important and valuable and good. And, and so naturally Paul's recognizing like clothing, when we're dressed a certain way, we're immediately recognized as being dressed appropriately maybe to go in a store or if you're at a wedding, right? We've all been in those weddings where that best man or our groomsman shows up and he's in like shorts and a t-shirt. We were supposed to buy a suit? Like, yeah, dude. You're supposed to buy a suit like a month ago. Yeah, we got to figure this out, right? And, and, and the same goes with kindness and compassion, that we are to be clothed with it, to be immediately identified by this characteristic of Christ within us. That if someone were to look at us and they see kindness immediately, they would understand that we are with Christ and his kindness has transformed me to be kind to you. Practically, what does that look like though? And I think oftentimes in, in our clothing choices in the morning, I think practically it looks like us setting our mindset on kindness to begin our day. 
Here in Colossians 3, right before this, Paul's opening up this, this section, this chapter, and he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And so friends, if we wanna grow in kindness, compassion, humility, patience with other people around us, we need to start here within us and actually set our minds on kind deeds. Set our minds on Christ above all things. We set our minds by spending time in God's word. We set our minds by stopping and and pausing in prayer and asking the Lord to, to give us strength to show the kindness to that person is so hard to be kind to. We set our minds daily on not what's earthly, because what's earthly says do what you want to get what you can. But heavenly things say do what you can to serve the God and his will and his way. Set your mind on things above. And when we do this, friends, we begin to recognize we're clothing ourselves with kindness and compassion to then point number two, share kindness with others around you. This first kind of section to clothe ourselves is this individual quality that we can begin in. And this second part is similar, but it's the relational quality which we can step in in our way of being kind towards one another. Colossians 3.13 says this, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul opens up with this bear with one another. And I know it's kind of spelt like the bear that you might see in the woods behind your house, which truly there's been some bears in Dubuque, I think. We need to watch out for that. Bear spray, you know. But it's not in that case of an animal. Um, Bear with each other in the original Greek, really what it's meaning is to endure something unpleasant or difficult for a season of time. It could be short, it could be long. And in this context, Paul doesn't just stop there and say, bear with one another And like, good luck, like figure it out. It's gonna be great. But yet he says, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. So so Paul's bringing this relation between bearing with one another in difficult times. And so if we think of patience like last week and part of this passage mentioning patience as well, it's not like we write people off quickly. We wanna wanna bear each other with, with patience and over time. And of course, we're talking kindness today with kindness. But where our kindness is actionable is in the form of forgiveness. And Paul's directing us here, commanding us here, we can learn that as we bear with each other through difficult times where we've sinned against one another or or, or hardships, wherever they might be, we can actually take a step in forgiveness and that's a way we can act in kindness. We, we, we sometimes hear compassion, uh, you know, kindness, patience all together. And, and even in Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God, just as, just as Christ God forgave you. Just as in Christ God forgave you, we are then to forgive others. And so we're seeing this relation between kindness and forgiveness that could begin to allow us to see this roadmap for how we are to act upon being kind to one another. And it's through a step of forgiveness, this relational quality uh, that we can understand from this passage. And yet our kindness can often be seen in many different deeds or ways, but when it comes to relationships between you and each other, similar to how we've received kindness from God, which we'll talk about a bit more here in a few minutes, 
we can extend kindness through forgiveness with each other. But how does that, and how does that practically practice? I mean, like, if you think of it, um, Paul then goes on to say in the end of this verse 13, forgive then as the Lord forgave you. And so this, this excellent, great, deep reminder that we've been forgiven as followers of Jesus. And so then to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And so practically, how has the Lord forgiven you? And this can kind of help us build the pathway and steps in which we can forgive. So practically, uh, like the Lord through Christ forgave you even when you didn't deserve it. Um, actually, the Lord through Christ forgave you. He reached out first in forgiveness, an offering for you to accept and take hold of and, and, and follow and obey. Like he, he makes the first move. Um, like, like think of it, even the Lord forgave you when you didn't have all of it together. He forgave you today for the sins, and of course for the sins yesterday and the, the ones you're, you're walking through today. And in his forgiveness, it runs so deep that he knows that tomorrow you're going to run into the same thing. And his forgiveness will abound. His grace is so good. It's going to cover that. But he's like, I'm still going to choose to forgive you even when you don't have it all together. You're not perfect. But through Christ, man, I give you the grace and forgiveness today, yesterday, forevermore because I love you. That's how deep the Lord has forgiven us. And so to think of the pathway in which and how we should forgive, we need to recognize in how we were forgiven in the first place. And that's what Paul's getting to. The depth of our forgiveness between us and God as sinners to the sinless God, to the perfect holy God that we cannot try hard enough or do good enough. We're not good enough to obtain a relationship and righteousness like him. But yet through Christ, we're forgiven to walk with him once again. And that's how we are to take steps in forgiving others. That is so difficult, though, because you begin to sit and say, God, do you really understand how this person has wronged me? God, are you sure I'm supposed to forgive this person for doing that? And then we stop and recognize when we remember this relational quality in which we are to share with others, we remember this relational quality in which God shared with us through Christ. We stop and say, but God, you forgave me when I was a complete rebellion against you. When my whole being was running from you. When I, Lord, uh, man, I, I, I man, honestly, in my deepest heart, maybe at time hated you, you still forgave me. When we recognize the depth of the forgiveness the Father gives us through Christ, we then can take steps practically to forgive those around us. I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear with you, though, because oftentimes in forgiveness, there may be something and a sin committed against you, and oftentimes forgiveness doesn't always need to reconcile relationship or friendship. There may be a sin committed where it's wiser for you to create distance, forgive, but create distance still in a hardened relationship or hurt. And that's okay. That takes time or maybe never comes, to, comes back to what it used to be due to that brokenness. But I encourage you, friends, as the Lord has forgiven you, you in turn need to begin to heart search in the root of love, which we talk about for a minute, to begin the process of extending forgiveness or even accepting it when it's asked for, for, for the person who sinned against you. Forgiveness in this pursuit and sharing kindness comes when we seek those who we need to forgive, but also we seek after those who we need to be forgiven by. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Point number three is kindness must be rooted in love. Colossians 4 or 3.14 says, and over all these virtues, Paul says, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And we see this necessary quality. So we've gotten this individual quality, this relational quality, and now the necessary quality in which kindness, compassion, all these things are shared and given in unity of love. And I think practically, love being the foundation of which we walk within these characteristics. And it's not surprising to me in Galatians um, 5 that we see love heading off the whole list of characteristics in which the fruit of the Spirit be existing in us. And, and, and this idea of love goes so deep and so far. Jesus summarizes love as the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God. Love uh, your neighbor as yourself. All, all, this, all these teachings from Jesus on love we see in the New Testament, we see the reflection and teachings on God's love in the Old Testament. And so we've got to admit, love has this foundational work in our life, not only received between us and God, but also the foundation between us and others around us. But in this, in this process, I think naturally of a house and, and how we need to consider if our kindness is not done in the way of genuine love, we need to evaluate that. Because just like a house that you're attempting to buy, I would hope that if someone comes back and says, hey, this house, man, the, the foundation's shot. So uh, um, I would hope you wouldn't be like, it's okay, let's buy it. You know, like I'd hope you'd be like, okay, let's reconsider this. Unless you're an awesome investor that's just gonna tear it down anyways, hopefully you're gonna be like, yeah, we should think on that. Yeah, we should consider alternatives or like figure out how we're gonna fix that before we then go to own it. Because we know a home without a firm foundation can sink can be destroyed. It's holding up the basis of the whole home together. And that's why my dad always said, if you're doing anything in your home, don't drill into the foundation without advice, you know? Because I can get out there with a drill and be like, and I shouldn't do that. Just to like set up a swing setter, I don't know, in my, in my garage. So kind deeds with a lack of love is signifying no kindness at all. N.T. Wright, a pastor, professor, author, says the other virtues pursued without love become distorted and unbalanced. And I would add become sinful because without love then comes our selfish ambition that we mentioned. This, this twisting of, of kindness in our minds where we do it for our own gain instead of the generosity and goodness and deep love that we have for the Lord out of our own heart. We must pursue love at the foundation of the way we share kindness with the world and compassion towards others. And through that, we find humility and gentleness and patience. Love must always be our full, firm foundation. And Paul's getting to that here, together in perfect unity. Perfect unity. All of these characteristics, virtues listed in Colossians 3, and of course, all of those in the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, love must bring them together. As we mentioned, I wanted to recognize and us to sit for a moment on how we can understand God's kindness given to us. And so if you just take a seat, you can like, if, if you're taking notes and you really want to take notes right now, you can. But if you want to just sit back for a minute and let me read a passage over you and highlight a few ways in which God's kindness has been expressed to us. I'm going to do that. So in Ephesians 2, 6 through 10, and, and, and just listen to this passage. You don't need to look it up. And you can if you want, but just write it down, look it up. Ephesians 2, 6 through 10, it says this in verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the free gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God expressed his kindness towards us, friends, through Christ on the cross for our sins. Through this new relationship we can have with God, through Christ and the blood of Christ that sets us free. By grace we have been saved through our faith in Christ and him alone. No other faith and no other thing, just Christ alone, by that grace, in our faith we are saved. It's a gift of God that we can't outwork. We can't work hard enough to obtain it. It's only the gift he offers, right? He's reaching to us first to, to, to take, to trust, to have faith so that none of us can boast. We are created to do good works in him. God showed his kindness by offering forgiveness, transforming our life by the spirit. We see he's so kind on our day to day. But that takes a moment for you to shift your perspective and start your day in clothing yourself and sharing kindness with others. As you grow in the way of kindness, I want to encourage you that God was kind to you in the first place. And the way we experience that kindness from God is the same way we can step into being kind with others, kind to the world around us. Throughout this series, we've been identifying these, these real fruit in our world, um, just to go along with some of these, and it's just for fun, it's just a connection piece to help you remember what fruit of the Spirit we're walking through. And as we think of kindness, I thought of a cherry, and I thought of that Chick-fil-A line, right? You get that milkshake, it's so good, and then there's cherry on top. And you're like, this is so great, and that cherry on top you paid for technically, but just go with me there, okay? The cherry is like this kind gesture to give you this complete product that you're just like, oh, that's so good. That's so yummy. And if you hate cherries, sorry. Maybe you can try to love them this week. I don't know. But like, it's just like this, this, this reminder of kindness as our team was praying that, that cherry and kindness. And so this week, as you see a cherry, as you maybe eat them if you like them, may you be reminded of God's kindness towards you and the transformative work he wants to do in you to be kind to others. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this morning, God, and I thank you for your word. Um, Lord, as we open your word, it, it never returns with void. You um, speak it true and through to us, even uh, amidst our misunderstanding or, or, or questioning or wondering or even doubts. And God, I pray that today, God, would start a journey for all of us to grow in the way of kindness. And as Colossians 3 um, and Paul navigates us through just kindness, compassion, humility, and patience, gentleness with others, but also in clothing it to ourselves first. May we be identified immediately by the way we are kind to those around us, by the way we practice kindness and forgiveness, and God, by the way we remember and root our kindness in love that you loved us with, that you were kind to us by your great love through Christ. God, we love you and trust you for the rest of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.